The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, like the intro says. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, or online, sportsethos.com. Pretty simple there. Uh, also, listeners, while you're at it, please take a moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than competition and it provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. All right. But for Round Ball Ramble, you know, we do, we ramble about the round ball. We got some stuff to talk about. Trades have been crazy. You're going to be listening to this on the 11th. But right now, we're going to go team centric. I've been wanting to do more of these shows throughout the year. And I'm excited to have on a special guest cover we're talking about the chicago bulls and so i was happy to have brought on a guest to do just that someone who's followed the team way more than myself even though i am a demar DeRozan uh, apologist um her name is ashley wing hunkel yes i got it and you can find her on twitter at when hunkel 12 so w-i-j-a-n-g-c-o and she is among other things basketball writer at bulls lead and just a great person you're going to hear from her now ashley how you doing Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Out of words, but I am pumped, excited. You know, we're both recording on on the, the the downhill of the trade deadline noise and news, and it was a lot. So I think it was a flurry of action and moving around, and now it's like trying to temper everything down. So I'm sure you were excited by just just the sheer amount of stuff that happened today. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, trade deadline is always just an exciting time. I think. Um, I used to be like more like stressed out about it before mm-hmm. um but that's definitely died down a little bit for me um but still just generally exciting and not something i have to feel super stressed about so oh, yeah. that's nice <laughs> oh yeah for sure especially when you're on and this is why i'm sorry to talk about the bulls here it, a lot of the trade deadline can be tied to like where you are with your team and where they are in their stage of contention rebuilding whatever the case may be or in that middle tier where you're about to blow it up and and with the bulls you're in a very interesting place where like chemistry is a big thing and you are a contending team and i guess that's what i want to kind of go into um right now concerning the bulls and and where they stand this year i mean before you even go there how long have you followed the bulls i know big chicago fan where would you kind of date back your history with this team and then what would you rank this team among other favorite bull squads that you've been a fan of before? Yeah, so um, I was born in Chicago um, and then moved to the suburbs, been raised there. Um, So just being a Bulls fan has always been just like this innate thing for me. Like it's always been something that was like a part of who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, So I never like questioned that. It's kind of just like there. Um, But I would say that it wasn't really until like 2003, um, that I'd say my like just generally my basketball fandom really started um 
And a lot of that has to do with the 2003 draft, which we all know is super iconic. Um, And then just from there, I've had like, I want to say like two different stages in my life where I've had like kind of like defining moments as a basketball fan in terms of how my fandom has like really increased um, from just kind of like casual to like something more. Um, So, but yeah, 2003 is really when uh, I really started to truly care about basketball. Okay, that's cool. And definitely understanding that growing up and, and being in Chicago to begin with, cemented that and then that's cool growing out from there i, I make a joke because i'm a laker fan but like everyone's like oh it's because of kobe it's because of Shaq, and it's like no it's like 2003 like seven-year-old eight-year-old corbin was like you know what purple and yellow i like that color and then legend was born so i i, I like that that intro a lot better though in terms of um becoming one with this team and i guess with that you you have this fun 22 you know 2022 bulls team you've been a fan for a while now uh, what have been other favorite teams of yours? You mentioned defining moments you've had um, as a basketball fan. I'm, I'm assuming that there's been a Bulls team to kind of lead in with that. Yeah, so um, the the baby Bulls, so those post-Jordan years were very sad um, for <laughs> Chicago in terms of basketball. Um, but then the baby Bulls were a thing, like the 04, 05, 06, that kind of time. Um, that was probably my like first favorite team to have. Um, where we had Kirk Heinrich, Ben Gordon, Luol Deng, uh, Chris Duhon, Andres Nocioni, um, yeah. all very young and new to the league, but they just brought this excitement um, to the Bulls that, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago hadn't seen for a while. Um, and it's not like they were ever going to be anything really special in terms of like, oh, they're going to go win us a championship or whatever. Um, but I mean, just coming off of those years that were just so dead in terms of excitement for basketball in Chicago. Just, I mean, that was enough. The baby bulls were enough to, you know, bring life to uh, basketball fans in Chicago again. Um, So they're definitely a favorite. Um, But then after that, I would say the uh, 2010, 2011 bulls that was, Tom Thibodeau's first season as head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I know a lot of people had expectations for them just to be like better. Um, but they just did so much better than anyone expected um, finishing atop the East um, and just going, I think it was like 62 and 20. Um, yeah, that very first and, year. Yeah, and we had... Derek Rose in his prime, um, Joakim Noah starting to get into his prime as well. Um, Keith Bogans, even though he didn't really do much, um, a lot of people like to say his defense was important. And I mean, he did, he did knock down those corner threes when they needed it. So uh, Ronnie Brewer, Carlos Boozer, uh, Kyle Corver, the bench mob, the first bench mob, um, they were important to me in being a Bulls fan as well. Um, so they're another favorite, but I mean, after that, I'd say that this season's Bulls are definitely among like the top five for me. Um, I think it kind of also has to do with how it was for me with the that first Thibs Bulls team, just in terms of you know they were going to be good, um, but this starting to kind of go past everyone's expectations in terms of how good they are, um, especially at the start of this current season. Um, they were achieving success a lot sooner than 
I expected and other people expected as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing that chemistry so early on was really nice to see. And just, I mean, I know like chemistry is not like this, like defining um, quantifiable thing, but like it makes so much of a difference once you realize like a team has it. Um, and so just seeing that just so early on was like a selling point for me. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a great breakdown. Yeah. I think you kind of mentioned the allure that many uh, Bulls fans are, or affinity rather, that Bulls fans are having to this particular team. Um, because you're right, the expectations were kind of mixed going in. I think, you know, kind of focusing more on this year, but starting last year when the Bulls didn't make the trade of the trade deadline for Nikola Vucevic and how uh, the narrative was, hey, you know, this is trying to make a pitch to Zach Levine that, yes, like, we need Zach to say long-term, we're committed to winning. You know, we're trying to turn the corner. Unfortunately, it didn't work out quite as expected. Um, that year, the Bulls did not make the playoffs, of course. But then coming to this year, you know, there was, there was a lot of critics on that. You you bring in DeMar DeRozan, which I, I'm a big DeMar DeRozan fan. I did a lot of covering the Spurs the last couple of years, so I saw his evolution specifically there. But, like, the narrative was like, wow, you know, he's, that's a bad contract. It's a number of years. What's it going to look like, you know? Uh, he needs the ball a lot. He doesn't shoot threes. Bam. And then, of course, Lonzo Ball, which, you know, he was attracted to being more of a point guard. And already, again, the narrative is this guy's more of a wing. Like, point guard's nice, but it's not a thing. Like, there's a lot going on. His defense will be good. But, like, where does that fit there? And then Alex Caruso, who came okay with maybe some overrated chance from people who think the Lakers overrate all their players, which I just, just stoutly disagree with, but that's besides the point. Um, you bring in these guys, and each of them had knocks for various reasons. For one thing, I think Caruso's only knock was the Lakers didn't really retain him, and you are in a spot now where you're not playing along LeBron, so those plus-minus numbers, what do they mean now? And I think that's what makes this even more, I, I want to say, not encouraging, that's not the word I'm looking for, but even more exciting. There's more of a... um. Like a, like a, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Like I feel vindication. There you go. Because it's all been paying off in wonderful ways for all three of them. And so I kind of wanted to to get your thoughts on each of them on both Caruso Ball, but also of course Demar Derozan. What, what were your initial thoughts on the additions of these guys? Yeah. So um, I know we all know how people, the media, generally felt about Demar um, <laughs> being signed to that huge contract. Um, which is like, I understood those feelings. Um, it's not like they were super um, unfounded and had no base whatsoever. Um, but I didn't think it was that absurd. Um, I think for a lot of things, just when, you know, you take into consideration like contract numbers and stuff, it's so easy to develop expectations based off of that. Um, and then try to use that as like a measure of what they should do or whether someone's worth it and like I see that it's fair to an extent but like ultimately I mean the NBA is a business so like even if you don't necessarily think said numbers are appropriate it's like you got to do what you got to do um and like whether you think those numbers are right is um not necessarily important um but I mean I thought it'd be interesting to have Damar um I was a little skeptical just because of his skill set in comparison to Zach Levine. It's not like they are um, contrasting players. So that did concern me a little bit. Um, But I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, no, what a terrible signing this is. Like, Uh the Bulls are going to be so doomed because of this, because they're not going to know how to use Damar and Zach alongside each other 
or even not alongside each other and they're spending so much money um I mean I thought it was just exciting to have Damar want to come to Chicago for one um especially after Chicago having become a team that just people didn't like want to come to um and it's weird because the Bulls are such a storied franchise and will always be just something special in the NBA because of what Michael Jordan did while he was with the Bulls. Um, so to go into the place where the Bulls were kind of seen as so unattractive was like upsetting. So just getting to the point where DeMar was like, yeah, okay, I want to come, come to the Bulls. Um and recognizing that something special could happen there was was cool. I mean, so, I mean, just contract aside, I didn't think, you know, it was bad to have DeMar. That makes sense. No, looking at the player that he was, I mean, this guy's averaging, you know, 25 plus points the last couple of years, seven, eight assists per game, playing out of position. I mean, two, three, and now even the four. I definitely agree with you that, like, as a player, he has been more than solid. So, I'm totally on board with that. And I guess focusing on DeRozan just for this year um, with the way that he has played, you know, being in MVP conversation, obviously being an all-star starter, um, just all of that. And again, I, I noticed from a couple of years, I'm sure you have and others as well, just his uptick in playmaking and, and the way in which he was being the main offensive facilitator for the Spurs since his arrival there and how it's steadily grew um, as he's also become more, more um, versatile position wise. So, what have you seen specifically in Chicago, though, that has made this year so impressive for DeMar? Yeah, um, I would say one thing is I definitely didn't expect him to be like the clutch go-to player that he's become for the Bulls. Um, mm. I mean, we all know that like DeMar is talented. Um, he can score. Um, but like the Bulls had Zach Levine already. Like that spot was basically filled. Um, yep. But to see DeMar take on that role and just also Levine kind of like open the way for that and be like, yeah, that's fine. Like we want to win. It doesn't matter to me if I'm not the clutch go-to guy. Um, that was surprising. But I think, it. I mean, that could be surprising for anyone just if you followed the Bulls and you um, saw that one weekend where DeMar had those back-to-back like game winners. Um, but yes. like, aside from that, uh, I think just his leadership is really outstanding and a lot more important than a lot of people realize. Um, just having that veteran guy on the team, which the Bulls really haven't had um, lately. The Bulls have been pretty young um, those past couple of years um, and inexperienced. So having DeMar and his knowledge and wisdom and his having him as someone who is willing to be a veteran who will take guys under his wing and help the younger guys improve um, is really nice to see. I like that. Definitely. And you're right. I remember New Year's Eve, I think it was just around that time, those back-to-back threes of all things from tomorrow were fun, but you're right. I mean, uh, showing up for Ayo Sumo's um, Jersey um, for retirement, like a couple of things behind the scenes he's done. You can really see that he's that guy both on and off the floor in a major way for all of the Bulls. So I definitely understand that. I'm shifting from DeMar to the other two additions, uh, Alex Ruiz and Alonzo Ball. They definitely had their moments in Chicago for sure. What have you liked 
specifically from each of them, because I know obviously injuries have taken them out, put them on the shelf for a little bit now and, and still for a little while further, but they've both been pretty impactful and a big reason why the Bulls are where they are right now this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, for Lonzo, um, I think especially for him, it's he was always he's been a player where I knew more of him and I never had a chance as much to really watch him and learn his game um, through, you know, like regular game watching and whatnot. And so um, but I knew about his playmaking and whatnot, um, but it's really it just takes it to a different level to see it for yourself and on a regular basis. Um, having him as the Bulls' point guard um, and playmaker was so nice to see for for when he wasn't um, injured so early this season, um, especially in comparison to last season um, when the Bulls were really lacking that playmaker. Um, and it's not like they didn't have anyone who couldn't be a playmaker, but like just the level of difference between the playmaking the Bulls are getting from Lonzo compared to last year is a world of difference. Um, and it really impressed me um, to just see Lonzo being that um, playmaker for the Bulls because I never, like I mentioned before, got to watch Lonzo regularly um, until he started to play for the Bulls. And so it was just really impressive to just get to see for myself, you know, how good of a, a passer is he is. Um, and the way he finds his teammates and whatnot. Um, but then also defensively, I wasn't as familiar with him. Um, and so his defense has also been nice. Um, also because the Bulls haven't really had <laughs> as good of defense um, these past couple seasons. Um, so it is <laughs> more so just getting to have a better sense of who Lonzo is. Um, and then just because it's for the Bulls, it's a lot more enjoyable. I get that too. It's also special when it's your team that you're seeing the positive impact effect. So I'm definitely with you on that. I've liked the fact that Cruz has been a lot more assertive on the offensive end as well, specifically. Um, Lonzo Ball, man, I've loved Lonzo. I was actually hoping, it wasn't very likely, but I was really hoping that he might find a reunion to the Lakers. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you get a chance to trade all your players for Russell Westbrook, you gotta do it. Anyways, moving <laughs> uh, <laughs> on from that, uh, let's go to the main guy. I think we've gone long enough in the show, you know, without even mentioning, but, but we kind of started the Bulls the last three or four years. Um, Zach Levine, another another all-star, another solid, you know, like you said, Bucky Year. That was kind of his role. Uh, he has evolved a lot more as a playmaker over his years in Chicago. But again, focusing on this season, what have been your thoughts on Zach Levine? Well, he's definitely a better defender, so that's nice. Um, like I said before, uh, Bulls really needed to step up their game there, and you know he really, he really answered that call. And um, the Olympics were definitely um, a big help for him. I think we can all see that now. Um, how he just has grown, just generally speaking, as a player overall um, and a competitor. Um, so that's really nice. Um, and also just seeing him still embrace. Um, the kind of player he is, so that kind of go-to player, but also knowing when to step back um, and let others do their thing um, when necessary. So, like, the Bulls have DeMar now, and it doesn't always have to be Zach, um, which was, I guess, a little bit of the case um, last season, but not very often because um, they were still trying to figure out, you know, who they were as a team and um, 
they never really got adjusted to having Vucevic on the team. Um, yeah, but just this year, you can see the difference that Olympic play and experience has made for Zach. And then just also having other people to rely on because it doesn't look like now he's exhausted and has like the weight of the team on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. And, and there's something to be said for a player who has a defined role as your alpha, as your lead, and you bring in additions, which teams are going to do inevitably to make it, to make a squad better. But those players may infringe in a certain way on what you may perceive as your status as the guy or your status, the guy to take the last shot. And I think over this year specifically, we've seen issues where that clash has been in effect. You look at James Harden, you know, um, trying to find the role as the guy since of Houston and not really fitting in with Brooklyn. And now hopefully trying to reclaim that in Philadelphia, who already has a guy like that in Joel Embiid. Look at Russell Westbrook, you know, who's always been either one or one or A in his mind. And now it's a clue to find third role. And he struggled to adapt to that all season long. So you take that, you know, and, and, and almost juxtapose that with the great play and almost the seamless transition for Zach Levine and taking in DeMar DeRozan into the fold and the both of them coexisting, I think has definitely been impressive. Um, also, you made an excellent point, which I feel horrible about, but like, I did not take him on the spotlight, Nikola Vucevic. He's been kind of, I feel like in a way, he's been kind of that guy for the Bulls, though. Like, there's all these other guys talking about, Vucevic has been there. And I know, like, he started off really slow at the beginning, especially when it came to his shooting from the perimeter. I know that he definitely rounded out a little bit later as he's coming to form and has had several good performances. But what have you been thoughts on, on Vucevic? just in general yeah so like you mentioned he did get off to a slow start um and I do think because he is still getting some kind of um some I don't want to say hate that's that's too harsh but he's still (laughs) getting some pushback he has been getting some pushback from fans still a little bit because his production isn't as consistent um as we've all expected from him. Um, And I think that's definitely fair. Um, And I think it's just so easy to overlook though, what he has been doing, Um, just knowing um, what he's capable of. And then also what everyone else on the team has been bringing now that there's more of a well-rounded Bulls team to watch. Um, Because, you know, even though like shooting wise, Gucci's numbers aren't, haven't been consistently great. Um, and you'll see him like struggle um, to score. Um, but he I mean, he's still consistently putting up like double doubles. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I get, I get the criticism and I do think it's fair. Um, but I mean, it's also like, he's not as, key for the team anymore i mean he's obviously important especially knowing that the bulls lack front court depth um but there's just not that same focus on him um so i think it was kind of inevitable that he wasn't going to be like as impressive or as productive i do think um they should try to implement him into the offense more especially now um knowing that the shorthanded um I think, you know, he has a post presence that they're not always taking advantage of and um, they should. Um, So there's that. But I mean, I think he'll be okay. I get that. And I agree with you on that as well. You know, you come in, it was going to be Zach Levine and Vooch. That was the one to kind of tandem. And then we'll see what other piece we bring in in offseason. Now it's 
kind of in the order we talked about, you know, it's Damar and then Lonzo and then Alex. Oh, and then Vooch. So definitely get you there. And hopefully there will be some more continuity moving forward, you know, for him the rest of the year. Um, going from these main kind of Bulls guys to other members of the team that have had moments, stepped up, really shined. Uh, I just left the floor open to you. Any of the Bulls that you'd like to kind of take a moment to shout out? Because between Ayudusumu, Kobe White, Javante Green, there, there have been a lot of good performances. I think especially so given the injuries across the board to everyone, even including DeMar DeRozan to a certain extent. Yeah, for sure. Um, Javante Green, I remember, remember at the start of the season, and he's undersized, but like he goes to work, like, and he gives it his all. And like, yep. I mean, that's something I really appreciate as a basketball fan. So, you know, um, just seeing him go like 100% from the start of the season and all the way up until now moving forward, it's just really um, nice to see, especially because he is undersized um, and they are putting him at those um, typically larger positions. Um, Mm-hmm. But um, Io DeSunmo, uh, I was so excited when the Bulls were able to draft him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, you know, like with the draft, they're like the players that you want your team to have, but it's not always realistic. So you might have like the, the, the players you want, mm-hmm. but then there's also the list of players that, you know, re- you realistically will look at yeah. um, for your team. <laughs> um and so those aren't always going to match up. And I thought that was going to be the case for the Bulls because I wanted them to have Io. Um, I also went to Illinois, um, not at the same time as Io. I mm-hmm. think I graduated like two years before he got there. But um, okay. um, but I wanted Io on the Bulls. Um, Chicago's his hometown. I'm a sucker for a good story. So, you know, <laughs> I was able to go to the Bulls. That would have been great. But the Bulls didn't have any picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I wasn't going to, he wasn't predicted as like a lottery pick. Um, but I mean, everyone pretty much expected him to go in the first round. Yeah. And so then when like the first round ended and he's, he's still on the board and then we got a few picks into the second round and he's still there. And I was like, maybe this could actually happen. Mm-hmm. And then it did. And I was just super ecstatic about that. But just beyond <laughs> that, um, he's been so great for the bulls. Um, yeah. like I knew he would do well, especially knowing that he was selected a lot later than um anticipated which you know gave him something to to fuel his game and um to prove people wrong but i mean it's still really impressive to me to see how he's been so seamlessly able to adjust to the nba and make an impact without going through too much of those rookie pains where it's like evident that hey you are still trying to learn how to play in the nba so you're going to make mistakes and that's not to say io hasn't made mistakes he's definitely made his um share of mistakes but he moves on and learns from them really quickly you can see that he doesn't linger on anything too long which i think is easy for just anyone to do um when they make a mistake but i mean you see how mature he is um and just how well, he can adjust to being the guy that the team needs. Yeah. Uh, so that's just really, really great for me to see just in, in various ways, knowing that I'm a Bulls fan. And then also we went to the same school. <laughs> that is cool. No, I'm yeah. just like you in the sense, like you said, sucking for a story, throw in a little bit of homecoming, you know, throw in a, a throwback kind of moment there and this, this career synergy and I'm sold. So that is really cool. And I'm, I mean, 
I didn't even know. I, I wasn't focused on him too much in terms of a history. So the fact that you, like you said, you were invested, you're going to watch, you're like, Hey, maybe it could happen. That just makes it so much more cool. And I think validated more by the fact that he has been a really good player for Chicago this year. Um, but you know, as good as the team has been, there have been some pitfalls there mostly on the injury front. And so the bulls have had some, I mean, you still have Lonzo ball, still have Ice Crusoe out uh, one that was arguably the most important injury. In my opinion, uh, was suffered early in the year. That was to Patrick Williams. And, uh, it's kind of interesting asking this question with the trade deadline being over, but I'm still going to ask it. Um, <laughs> do you think that the Bulls kind of need to find a short-term placement for them? They've been treading water without, like you said, Javante Green and others have played bigger than their size, like figuratively and literally. And like um, they've really made an impact in, in ways there. But what do you feel about Patrick Williams and whether they are able to continue to like keep the ship afloat without him uh there has been more talk i'd say in the last week or so about him possibly returning the last 10 or so games of the year which is kind of cool um and i was gonna say what do you think about his potential impact on the team if slash when he does return you know later in the year before the playoff stretch yeah um so i was never one of those people who thought um that they really the bulls really needed to focus on finding someone to replace patrick williams once he did um injure get injured um but i will say that um because he is one of the few bigs on the bulls i always already had that sense of well the bulls already need someone else in the front court because they don't have a lot of depth there um but i don't i actually don't think that losing um patrick williams necessitated or necessitates a replacement um especially now knowing that We've been a few months without him and um, the Bulls have fared pretty well. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't one of those people who thought or were that willing to say he should be included in trades. And I didn't, I also never thought that the Bulls would be that willing to, you know, include him in any trade packages, just knowing how high they are on him. Um, but like you said, he is injured. Um and I mean, there is that talk that he should be back this season, which is good to hear. Um, but just knowing that he will be coming off an injury, um, there's going to be some like adjustments and who knows how long it'll take for him to really get back to that game shape. But um, I'm not really worried about um, whether the Bulls can handle not having him or um, not replacing him. I think um they learned how to manage without him and um if they're able to get you know like Caruso and Lonzo back and have those two come back and adjust back to gameplay soon enough I think it'll all be fine and and uh they'll be able to fare without um Patrick Williams but I'm I do I do think they they need to keep focused on him um because it's just we don't even know what he's really capable of yet and that was like one of the the toughest things was that this was supposed to be like his real first legitimate season um because he was um, one of those uh players affected by covid um with you know going to the draft um and then going like pretty much from the draft to like training camp and then just everything shoved together and shortened and condensed. Um, and so then, you know, this past off season, he had like an actual off season and a training camp. 
um, and he was able to have more of an adjustment to what to expect. Um, and so this was supposed to be his season, right? Um, yeah. Then he got injured. Um, and so we still, we didn't really know what he'll um, truly give us. We got, we got glimpses, but you know, we still, we still don't know. So feel that that's true the mystery is still there but i definitely get where you're coming from where hey we're doing fine you know we just need additional help in general but we don't need to replace him so that makes sense hopefully we will get that that breakout maybe it's the playoffs you know certain players do have that stretch where they do as you know i'm not saying likely or unlikely it's just possible but um going from that i guess more again with the offs not off season but trade season buyout season um obviously the trades are passed but if a bad opportunity were to be available, and I, I think that there will be some players potentially out there, who would be on your personal wish list for who you'd like to kind of join uh, the Bulls? And you could either take a specific player, you could take an archetype of a player, um, got some wiggle room there for uh, who you'd like to join Chicago if the opportunity presented itself. Yeah, um, so I think I've made it pretty clear that the Bulls need help <laughs> yeah. in the front court. Um, but something <laughs> I did want to mention, though, because, you know, when uh before the trade deadline there were all like these rumors about hey will will the bulls add like someone in the backcourt will they add like a wing or whatever um for like some temporary help and i was never on board with that like that just didn't make sense to me like i could see where people get the idea from because two of the key injured players are guards Mm -hmm. but like it's not like they were going to be out for the entire season and you needed to act now to capitalize on whatever success um, and momentum there was now. So, I mean, definitely no one who was like a wing, like that's not a need. Um, Got you, loud and clear. (laughs) uh, But uh, I think one name that I had thought about before and I actually saw, I think just recently in like an article from The Athletic was like Robin Lopez um, was like someone who was mentioned um, and Obviously, he's not going to be anything flashy or super, um, you know, uh, productive in terms of like numbers or scoring. But I do think it would be interesting and helpful if the Bulls were able to add, you know, another big with experience um, and who just knew how to be effective generally. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Bulls don't have a lot to work with in terms of bigs. Um, they got Vooch and then like after that, it's like Tony Bradley Jr. And it's like, well, that's not, I mean, he, not enough. he's had, he's, he's had very few moments. Um, <laughs> there have been some fans who have been pretty harsh on him and I get mm. that. Um, I don't like to be one of those people, but like, I mean, he's definitely not going to, he's not going to cut it as like the backup. If we're yeah. gonna, the Bulls are really going to want to try to make a big push in the playoffs. Like they need something else. Um and I think they don't need to have a big who's, you know, got to be one of those bigger names, more of the star or whatever. Like, we just need someone who can be effective. That makes sense. I get you. Just comes and play. Someone who can come in and do the just do a good job. And Robin Lopez, mm-hmm. actually, I agree with you. I mean, I think he's a former Bolton. Well, he's been on a few yeah. teams. But he has for Chicago. Yeah, you know. But, like, also, you're right. Like, He's not going to blow you away or wow you in that way, but he's going to come in, be a pro, give you some tough rebounding, the veteran leadership, and that hook shot that can be blocked um, and always goes in at like 85% of fact, like it's like he's very effective with that shot. So I've been watching a lot of him in Orlando and I watched a lot of him in Washington before that. And yeah, he's a guy I think will fit perfectly. And you're right, give you some additional size and when called upon and do a good job. 
Um, so that being said, just kind of closing out with Chicago here. With the East and the entire NBA kind of contention-wise in flux, uh, I'm more curious on, on the East, obviously, that's where Chicago is. But, like, you have the Bucks who have been kind of, I want to say going through the motions. I mean, you know, they won the championship, so I'm not one of those people like, oh, they're having a down year. But they've had, had injuries, you know. They've had um, uh, inability to effectively fill that backup five spot. I mean, effectively, Giannis plays the five. But in the absence of Brooke Lopez, they tried to mark his cousins. Uh, they just went and made a trade for Serge Ibaka, who's had a down year for the Clippers. So we'll see whether he'll be able to kind of give the Bucks what they need there. You look at Philadelphia. You know, they've been in the mix. They just went and changed up things in a major way. And Ben Simmons saga, bring on um, James Harden. Then you look at the Nets by comparison, blowing it up and bringing in Simmons. Not blowing it up, but trading a big part of their team, bringing in Simmons, going to try to tread water without Simmons or Durant uh, or Kyrie for most of it. So they have 29 games left and only 10 left on the road. So that'll be interesting as well with all of this happening all up and, and there's other teams as well in, in, in that upper echelon there. Where do you see the bulls kind of finishing right now that they're, but they've been up through first, most of the year, Miami didn't even mention them. Like realistically, where do you see Chicago kind of finishing? Um, And how far do you think their playoff ceiling is? Yeah. Um, just knowing of the injuries that they're dealing with now and knowing that there's going to need to be a bit of an adjustment um, once they are able to get, you know, at least Alonzo uh, and Caruso back. Um, I don't, I still think it's plausible for them to finish top four um, before those injuries. I probably would have said maybe higher um, just because they were on a good roll and, you know, they'd established, who they were as a team, um, their chemistry and all that. And things are working really well. Um, but I do think this injury like wave is really going to affect them. And then also now we've got these other teams in the East who were already considered um, contenders. They've made moves and we don't really know where the Bulls are going to go from here. Um, like ideally they'll get their, you know, their other big um but i don't know if that'll necessarily be enough to combat the rest of the east and their moves um but i mean there's no reason the bulls shouldn't be you know finishing top four in the east um just knowing how things are going and um knowing that they do have you know their help coming back soon um and just already just based on what they've shown like everyone has their like down points, but I don't think the Bulls sh- should be going through anything too downhill from here. Yeah, okay, yeah, like they've already kind of gone through their their toughest dives, like they're getting mm-hmm. back up. That makes sense. I get you on that. And it will be interesting to see kind of where they are. I think they definitely a good job of keeping their chemistry and and trying to maximize their their standing so far in East. I didn't expect them to be this high at all like i'll just be honest but like where they are they have a very good chance of not only maintaining that but but venturing farther um with this unit so very special squad here for sure ashley um and i I was happy to talk about them but before i I let you go all first time guests i have to do this i i need to know your your hoop vibe squad that's like your all-time favorite players five of them like not the best you know but like your personal top five it was something i started i went to um vegas for some of these past year and i had my phone my lock screen was my top five favorite players, which is like unorthodox. I'll say that, but it's, you know, 
It's 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 up there. I think everybody has one. At Monte Ellis, Michael Beasley, Latrell Sprewell, you know, Terry Rozier. I'm trying to remember the other guy. Oh, Russell Westbrook. And I was like, yeah, these are my top five players. And like, what? But like, they're all my favorite for different reasons. You know, whether it's the passion, the energy, the fact they all just like to take a lot of shots. Like that is what I'm attracted to as a basketball fan when I was young. And I've held on to that. So I think that kind of understanding each person's favorite kind of players tells a little story about their own uh, fandom and love of basketball. So I'm curious to hear yours, especially being a big Chicago fan and having all this around and knowing, you know, the baby bulls and everything. It should be really interesting. But um, let, let's hear your hoop vibe squad. If you want top five, just favorites, not like a lineup, just like oh, five. In how, however you want to do. We've had people give me their top five favorite. We've had lineups. I've had a, a, a starter lineup and a bench. I've had the NBA and the WNBA. Whatever, yeah, <laughs> it's been a lot of guests oh. have taken a lot of different ways. So wherever you want to go with that, that's all you. Okay, well, well, I'll start. I'll start with this because this is someone who I will include regardless of okay. which direction I want to take this. Uh, Kirk Heinrich. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. I love it. Probably not a conventional answer um, in the basketball <laughs> fandom. Um, and really probably just an answer you'll find amongst Bulls fans. Mm-hmm. But um, he's my all-time favorite basketball player. Uh, very important in terms of who I am as a basketball fan. Um, yeah. He really shaped kind of just uh, my fandom and kind of what I like to see out of basketball and basketball players. Um, and like I mentioned before, that 2003 draft is kind of like a pivotal point for me. Um, and that's when he was drafted. Um, and he was one of those baby bulls who helped turn, um, the franchise around. Um, and so just knowing that was when I was getting more into basketball and having Kirk as kind of the bulls' go-to kind of star, um, that was very impactful for me. Um, and so he became my favorite player. Um, and I just became a really big fan of his, um, his defense, uh, just that tenacity and hustle. The grit. You can't, you can't mention Kirk without mentioning the word grit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, but like also more so in his first stint with the bulls, um, he, he was really, a reliable three-point shooter um and growing up i was taught that three pointers were very important um <laughs> that was kind of just like something i took away from um my dad who i would watch basketball with um when i was younger and you know he was always just like oh he emphasized you know three pointers and their importance which made sense to me as a kid because well threes are more than twos so like if you're able to shoot threes well Mm. then like that's really good yeah um so yeah that was important um (laughs) made a lot of threes i mean me he's i know he's not like a sharpshooter um by any means but i mean you don't get to become the bulls's franchise leader in three pointers made if you can't shoot threes very true Um, very true so that was really uh just a stand out to me as well um yeah i could probably i'll, I'll stop talking about oh, no, now. Th- that's fine um, <laughs> uh, but i mean 
like I said before, all-time favorite player followed his career even even when uh, the Bulls traded him to the Wizards. That was painful yeah. Um, yeah. for several reasons, just because they traded him and then it was the Wizards. That was because I did I did follow that season when there wasn't like a Bulls game. I followed the Wizards game so I could you know see how Kirk was doing. And see man, how he was going. Yeah. Oh, that was such a painful, painful season to watch i guess oh, like half season half season because he's only there for half season mm-hmm. um because then he got traded to the hawks which was nice because that was a playoff team <laughs> there you go you um, watch him further yeah yeah um so they're so kirk number one okay. um uh, and then this number two which is uh probably going to be a surprise for some people um especially if they don't already know about my basketball fandom okay. um number two is lebron james wow um, okay yeah not not a common pick uh for bulls fans at all no um and uh i have i have felt guilt about this um but i mean this i will say the guilt i have felt about it comes after the fact of my becoming a lebron fan because lebron is the other player who really helped shape my basketball fandom that 2003 draft you know all goes back to that number one mm-hmm. number one um and he was the guy and i still remember getting my first issue of sports illustrated for kids because lebron was featured in it and i was like i i need this magazine mom can you please buy it for me um <laughs> and so like you said it does go all back to that um and I mean, it's kind of impossible to not, as a kid, see LeBron go from high school to the NBA and become this instant superstar who just met and then exceeded all expectations and is continuing to play at such a ridiculous level that, like, we just can't fathom. Like, this shouldn't be possible, but, like, it is. Um and so to see that kind of dominance is just, I mean, it's a once in a lifetime thing, really. That's true. Um, which is uh, one, of the, one of the reasons, like, I'd never, I mean, because, you know, as a kid, I didn't, I mean, okay, well, as a kid, there wasn't really this, like, LeBron rivalry with the Bulls. Um, and so, you know, as LeBron got older and progressed more, and then, you know, the Bulls were also, like, an elite team, that's kind of more so where the, oh, we don't like LeBron um, thing came from Bulls fans, but, like, I was already a LeBron fan. Um, and I wasn't about to be like, no, I don't like LeBron anymore just because mm-hmm. he was good and it, you know, hurt the Bulls. Like, yeah, that sucked. But, like, I'm a loyal person. I wasn't going to turn on him just for that. Um, I didn't even turn on him when he went to Miami, so there's wow. that yeah um, it, that's loyalty right there to you a favorite player yeah yeah um and so you know like it wasn't until like those Miami years that I was like oh it felt so weird to be both like a LeBron fan and a Bulls fan um but I mean I'm always a Bulls fan first so like that's something I always like to emphasize it's like I'm not gonna choose LeBron over the Bulls like mm. so like so like there's no need to worry there um but yeah <laughs> definitely not a typical number two pick if you're uh, a Bulls man. Um, but then going from there, I have to include Derrick Rose just uh-huh. 
Um, I think just because of, like I said, those Bulls teams that shaped me and then Derek was such an important part of those early 2010s um, Bulls teams and, you know, gave Bulls championship aspirations. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was crazy to, to watch his, his prime and that MVP season and just see him accomplish all that. Um, like, I don't know. That was one of the things uh, as a basketball fan, I didn't take for granted, like, um, just because I was like invested in basketball, still young. It was easy for me to like, you know, like watch basketball and just like take like things for granted and like what like I watched for granted just because like, oh, this is just a fun thing and not fully appreciating it. Yeah. But I was able to fully appreciate um those prime Derek Rose years with the Bulls. Um and so that's just something I'll always think of fondly, um, just knowing um that, that was a special time for the Bulls. Um embracing that in the moment right Mm -hmm. yeah and then oh i guess i'll just do like favorites because okay um i'd 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 probably have to say kyle corver um yes (laughs) three point shooter um uh, interestingly enough i wasn't i mean i knew who he was before he came to the bulls but i wasn't like like a big fan of his or anything i kind of just like knew who he was um because i never he was with the jazz before the bulls and it's not like i was able to really follow the jazz and um their games and whatnot i I will say it's important because like for like a good chunk of my basketball fandom like anything i watched first was well i'll say this when i was like first realizing like basketball fandom the NBA finals were all I ever really got to watch because those were on, you know, national television. Um, And my family did not have cable TV for most of my um, adolescence. So it's like, well, there are maybe a few local Bulls games um, on just like normal channels. But Uh, but like, besides that, it was just like, well, you can watch the finals for sure. Cause that's on national TV and you don't need cable for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, but like when I got to the 2010s or whatever, I was able to watch like the bulls more consistently, um, because my family had gotten cable. And then also with that came like ESPN and TNT. And so I was able to watch like more coverage, uh, more nationally televised games, um, and so there was that, um, but like going off of that, like I said, I didn't really um, follow Kyle Corver's career much before he came to the Bulls. Um, but like I said before, um, I value three-point shooting and I'm a big fan of sharpshooters. Mm-hmm. Um, so having Kyle Corver on the Bulls was really fun to watch um, because I feel like even though the Bulls had like good scorers before, they never in my fandom at least had that sharpshooter yeah. um i mean like ben gordon was kind of but i always feel like when i thought when i think back to ben gordon it's not like sharpshooting per se it's just yeah. like he could score mm-hmm. and, and he, he like happened to right and he just happens you know to have his moments of like really good sharpshooting um 
so yeah, so Kyle Corver is another. Um, and then from there, I'm, I'm torn between whether to say five is Luol Deng or Joachim Noah. This is obviously, as you can tell, very Bulls, or at least former Bulls heavy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, top five. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm torn between those two because those two, they kind of had like the similar um, like mindset in terms of like giving it their all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't like superstars, but they eventually learned how to maximize their potential mm-hmm. and became all stars. Um, yeah. And just, you know, gave the Bulls their all when they were here. Um, and so I'm torn between those two. I'd probably say Luol. Um just because, I mean, naturally, he came into the league first, so I was a fan of his longer. Um, and I actually, I will say, at first, when Joakim Noah was drafted to the Bulls, I was not a fan of his, actually. Mm, um, okay. So I had, like, a, a love-hate relationship with him for a little bit. Um, you grew up. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure some Bulls fans might remember, he didn't have like the best start to like his time with the Bulls. Um, I mean, it wasn't really until like that uh, 2009 playoff series against the Celtics that he, you know, he really had his breakout and um, started to show what he could really do. But I will say, you know, Joakim had a really great like later tenure when he, um, was starting to realize and like show off his playmaking like that was ridiculous yeah like the point noah days were they were so fun and mm-hmm. like unconventional but it was like so fitting because just joking wasn't conventional exactly that is cool and that's true the, yeah. it, it fits the identity of the team yeah. was after him and that's true i i, I call them the indie bulls because you never really looked at them in like a certain type of mainstream offensive way but they found a way to make it work and they were just as if not more successful than teams that deployed a more traditional approach you know so definitely i'm a fan of that okay so just to recap real quick one more time let's get the five i know i'm gonna let you go i don't want to betray uh yeah so kirk heinrich's definitely number one uh that's number one that's it um two we got lebron um and then from there in, in just no order, uh, Kyle Corver, Derek Rose, and I'll, I'll just go with the wall dang. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tough. Wow. Okay. Kyle yeah. Corver, Derek Rose, the wall dang, LeBron James, and Captain Kirk are the five. I like it. I definitely, I definitely see a good mixture of personal um, taste there, but also good basketball and plenty of shooting. So there you go. And depending on the year that you get there, Rose, too, you might have a good year of three-point shooting there, too. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, this has been an absolute pleasure. I want to thank you again yeah. for coming on, talking Bulls, just talking basketball. Uh, we'll do this again sometime. This is a, a blast. Um, can you let listeners know where they can find you and, and your work? Yeah. Um, so on Twitter, I'm at Wehanko12, W-I-J-A-N-G-C-O-12. Um, and then the lead sports media, I cover the Bulls, um, sometimes some general NBA stuff, but also the Chicago Sky, so WNBA stuff too. There we are. See, colleagues on the lead, forgot to mention that. Chicago Sky, you can miss me with that as a Phoenix Mercury fan, but like, <laughs> 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 but I'm definitely okay with that. <laughs> I'm definitely okay with that. Ashley, again, thank you so much for coming on. 
Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> of course. And listen, y'all, um, you know where to find Ashley. You know where to find me on Twitter at Corbin MBA. Uh, sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, sportsethos.com. Listen, y'all, quickly before we sign off, want to remind you all to use the coupon code HoopBall20. I know we're not HoopBall anymore, but still use the code HoopBall20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And we also want to check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code HoopBall on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. One more time, HoopBall20 from manscaped.com and then just HoopBall on mybookie.ag and you will get the discounts you're looking for there. Thank y'all so much for tuning in, y'all. For Ashley, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.